Hi, I'm Ryan Graff, and you're listening to the Daily Rhythms Podcast on Anchor FM. Well, hello, hello. It is so good to be with you guys for another episode of Daily Rhythms, a podcast that seeks to connect us to the God who loves us more than we ever know. I'm Vic Hunter, your host. Thanks for tuning in. Today, we are going to be talking about the discipline of faith. Now, over the years, I have preached a number of sermons on the subject of faith. One that stands out in my mind was a sermon I preached at a church in Abilene, Texas. I think it was called um, Living by Faith. Before I got into the meat of the sermon, I asked a brother to come up to the stage and to lead me from the stage to the front pew of the auditorium. Now, I had two things working in my favor here. One, uh, he wasn't just some random person from the audience, okay? We had known each other uh, for years, and, and I trusted him as a sighted guide. By the way, a sighted guide is just somebody you grab a hold of to who can see. Anyway, so two, we practiced this little exercise beforehand, so we both knew what to expect. It probably lacked spontaneity, but I was trying to make a point to the congregation And that was that faith is often necessary for what we do in life. A blind person, such as myself, has to trust someone to lead them from point A to point B, not knowing if the journey will be successful or not. Uh, If they're in a situation where they're not using a cane or a guide dog, that is. Once, um, I was complimenting someone on their excellent skills as a sighted guide. No sooner were the words out of my mouth when, bam, she ran me into a door. (laughs) I I don't have a lot of experiences like that, but every now and then, well, anyway. So you see, that takes faith. It gives a whole new meaning to the term blind faith. But you do things that take faith too, right? You, You sit in a chair hoping that it will support your weight, but you don't know for sure. Uh, maybe the chair has a broken leg that nobody told you about. You put your key into the ignition of your car, expecting that it will start, but you have no guarantee that it will. By the way, my wife and I have had that experience with cars over the years, uh, especially on cold winter mornings in West Texas. (laughs) You you go to a new restaurant, and you don't know if the food is any good or not. So you eat what is set before you, and it might be quite tasty, but maybe not. So you see, we use faith in the everyday context of life. But biblical faith, which is what we'll be talking about today, is a different kind of faith because it is a faith 
in a person, not a thing or an event. Maybe you're new to the Christian faith or um, haven't accepted Christ at all, but you keep hearing people talk about this thing called faith, and you wonder, what is faith? The character Archie Bunker in the hit TV series from the 70s, All in the Family, says that faith is something that no one in his right mind would believe. Now, although I wouldn't put much stock in the theology of Archie Bunker, I wonder how many people believe that. But the Bible is quite clear on A, the definition of faith, and B, what faith looks like in the everyday life of the believer. Look with me at Hebrews chapter 11. In the very first verse, right out of the gate, the writer tells us what faith is. He says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Now, I had an interesting um, experience with Christmas when I was a kid. My parents, as poor as they were, had a really good track record of providing me the things that I asked for. On Christmas morning, I would look under the tree and there was the cassette recorder or the radio or the TV set that I asked for. You see, somewhere deep down, I trusted in this track record. There was no doubt in my mind that I would get what I asked for. I had the assurance of what I hoped for even before I got it. So that's exactly what faith is. We ask God for something by faith, and we know, based on his track record, that he will deliver. We have the assurance, the blessed assurance, if you will, of what we hope for. Now, this is the ideal, right? I realize that this is not always as easy as it sounds. There have been times when I've prayed for something, and God, in his infinite wisdom, chose not to give it to me at that time. Just remember that when we pray for something, the answer is not always yes. Sometimes it's no or wait. But be assured that, in the words of Bible teacher Tara Lee Cobble, all God's answers, whether yes, no, or wait, serve to establish his very good plans. This is where having a strong, convicting faith in the God of promise comes into play. Then the Hebrew writer says that faith is also the conviction of things not seen. Your Bible may say evidence. We may not see the ways in which God will shape our faith, but we have the conviction the conviction of a faithful God who promised to meet our every need, who promises that he will never leave us or forsake us, 
who promises to grant us anything that we ask for in his name, and who promises that he will work all things out for our good. Romans 8.28 You see, our conviction is based on the promises of God that he has made about himself and our relationship with him. If you ever get a chance to sit down and do a search for the promises of God, you will be amazed. I've been reading in Genesis recently where God makes a covenant with Noah and Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. That covenant is sealed with a divine promise. To Noah, he promises that he would never again destroy the earth by rain. And every time we see a rainbow in the sky, it is a fresh reminder of that promise. How beautiful is that? To Abraham and his descendants, he promises a vast land in Canaan. So you see, the conviction of the things we cannot see is based on God's unshakable promises to his people. And those promises are not thwarted by the actions of man. God's sovereign plans for his people still remain in effect. So for the next 40 verses, the Hebrew writer gives us example after example of people who lived by faith. We call this the Faith Hall of Fame. Here are countless stories of men and women who, by faith, allowed themselves to be part of God's story, even when they did not always understand all the ramifications. We'll look at a few of these, but I encourage you to look at all of these at your leisure. You will be amazed. The first example, uh, faith example, uh, we want to look at is that of Noah. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11 says, By faith, Noah, being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this, he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. In Genesis 6, we see that the world has become so corrupt with sin and wickedness that God decides to destroy the earth and all its inhabitants by bringing about a massive flood of catastrophic proportions. But even in the midst of all this evil, God finds one righteous, faithful man in the person of Noah. God even promises to spare Noah and his family because of Noah's faithfulness. So he instructs him to build an ark of safety for him and his family, plus two of every kind of animal. 
I think it's interesting that even though God decides to destroy the world, he is still preparing for himself a remnant. Here's one thing that I'd like to point out about Noah. Now, a lot of people think that um, Noah was called righteous because he obeyed God and followed his instructions. And that's part of it. But the main thing is that Noah was considered righteous by God because of his faith in him. The Hebrew writer describes this man as being an heir of the righteousness that comes through faith. Can you imagine the ridicule Noah must have received by his neighbors and friends? They were probably standing around watching this man build this ship and going, eh, Noah is a nut. He's spending all his time tinkering around with this funny looking boat. And for what? And what if Noah told them about his conversation with the creator of the universe? Then they'd really think he was ready for the loony bin. But Noah kept building believing and trusting, and God blessed him and his family because of this. The second faith example we want to look at is that of the man Abraham. Read with me beginning at verse 8. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. Like Noah, um, against all odds, Abraham believed God's promise by faith. He packed up his bags and journeyed to the land of promise, Canaan. Not only was Abraham leaving everyone and everything he'd ever known, he was moving to a land unfamiliar and perhaps even a bit strange. Now, I, I remember um, a similar experience I had before moving to Texas. After graduating from Bible college at Lipscomb University, I worked for a year and a half um, as a preaching minister for a local church outside of Nashville and even served with Nashville Inner City Ministries for a while. While I enjoyed my ministry work, I felt at odds after a year and a half, and, and, and well, kind of at loose ends, if you will. A friend I knew from college suggested I attend graduate school at Abilene Christian. I was excited at the prospect, but wrestled with the Lord about whether this was something he wanted me to do. I was conflicted. I wanted to follow the Spirit's leading, but wasn't crazy about leaving friends and family. 
But the Lord seemed to have his hand on my back. Everything fell into place. I received a scholarship, even though my grades weren't quite up to par, and people I didn't even know chipped in with moving expenses, and even money to live on. At first, my cousin thought I was nuts for making such a ridiculous move, in her eyes anyway, but she soon supported my decision. Besides, I was making a bold move by faith, something in my Christian experience I had never done before. But that's what Abraham did, folks. The text says that he went out not knowing where he was going. He knew he was going to the land of promise because God had promised him that, but didn't know what to expect once he got there. All he had to go on was a promise from God of a great inheritance. He believed that promise, and Romans 4.3 said that it was counted to him as righteousness. He even believed the promise of a heavenly city not made with human hands, but made by God, even though he never got to see it. Now that's faith. Here we see again that it is our faith that makes us righteous before God, not anything we do. This is a basic Christian doctrine that often gets overlooked, I believe, in a world that tells us that we have to strut and strive for what we want in life, that we have to pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps. Sounds painful to me, but hey. But this is contradictory to what um, the Bible teaches. The third faith example we want to focus on is that of Moses. The Hebrew writer goes to great lengths to describe the many examples of Moses' faith. Let's just look at a few of these. Um, read with me beginning at verse 23. By faith, Moses when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, because they saw that the child was beautiful, and they were not afraid of the king's edict. The first is more about Moses' parents than Moses. They were not afraid of the king's edict to kill all the Hebrew babies, but they boldly acted in faith again against all odds. They hid this beautiful child they were blessed with for three months to protect him because that was their faith mission from God. Then he was found by Pharaoh's daughter who adopted him. Verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Second, even though he was adopted into the lap of luxury, 
Moses exercised his faith by choosing not to identify with the Egyptians and their wealthy lifestyle. Rather, he chose to identify with his people, the Hebrews. Verse 27, by faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Third, after killing an Egyptian in defense of one of his fellow Hebrews, Moses flees Egypt and was not afraid of the anger of the king. Instead, he endures, putting his faith and trust in God. And I saved the best for last. This example surprises some of us who might think God only uses the upright and the good for his divine purposes. I want to disavow you of that notion. Read with me verse 31 about the courageous faith of an incredible woman. It says, By faith Rahab, the prostitute, did not perish with those who were disobedient, because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. Rahab, despite her checkered past, is commended for having the faith to welcome God's people when they came to spy out the land. She lied for them and sent those away who were trying to harm them. But she was spared when the people of that land were destroyed because of her faith. And here's the most remarkable thing of all. If you look at the genealogy in the first chapter of Matthew's Gospel, most of us uh, skip over those, you will see that Rahab is listed in Jesus' family line. Now you got to catch the significance of this. Look at the cultural context in which she lived. First of all, she was a woman. Second of all, she was a Gentile. And third of all, she was a prostitute. Isn't that incredible? You know, Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Some translations add the adverb diligently. I actually like that because it puts forth the idea that we are always constantly seeking the Lord in this life of faith. But you know who God uses as an example? Enoch the son of Cain and his wife, whom the scripture says walked with God. He was a man who pleased God by his faith, which is why he's mentioned here. This is the, the, the desire of all true followers of God. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, we make it our goal to please him. So we please God through our faith. We don't necessarily please him through acts of obedience, 
but the faith that leads to acts of obedience. We love him, we trust him, and we believe in his promises. This is the faith that God has called us to. And now, Production Assistant Angie Edwards will close us in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being a God who loves us enough to pursue us and give us the gift of faith. Thank you for your word so we may grow close to you and know you, and for the example of the people you have used throughout the Bible to help us see what living in faith looks like. We pray for all of those lost who do not know you, that you would reveal yourself to them and give them the gift of faith so they too may walk in the confidence of knowing who you are and all that you've done for us. I pray that we are able to walk today with faith and assurance and glorify your name in all that we do. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks again for listening. And have a blessed day.